You're listening to the Summer Camp Music Festival Podcast with your host, Camp Counselor Derek. Ahoy, campers! Welcome to a new season of the Summer Camp Podcast. The 2022 lineup is out. Tier 1 ticket prices have expired recently. Um, Mo will be back, of course, and we are really hoping for the return of Chuck following a stroke he suffered some months back. We're thinking of you, Chuck. Uh, The online response there has really been touching to see. Looking forward to seeing Chuck back. Uh, Umphreys is back full force on the road, and they will return to camp along with some of their side projects like Doom Flamingo and Death Kings. And the Smashing Pumpkins are coming to camp. I've seen some comments on how some people perceive that as an odd choice, but it didn't surprise me in the least. The man pulling the strings, Ian Goldberg, has always been bringing in popular bands of the 90s. We've seen Violent Femmes, Cypress Hill, Primus, Jane's Addiction, Fishbone, Flaming Lips, and Incarnation of Blind Melon. That list could be a Lollapalooza lineup straight out of 1995. And now you can add the pumpkins to that list as well. I'm very curious to see what they're going to bring to camp. I can't wait. And you can't go wrong with a drummer named Chamberlain. I'm also excited about Little Feet. Uh, I've listened to the album they're going to cover, Waiting for Columbus. Really good stuff, y'all. You should check that out as a little pre-camp homework. J-Rad is coming to camp as well. I'm hoping to get Joe on the show. Uh, Sound Tribe, Zed's Dead, Bone Thugs and Harmony. Now, Now I'm cherry picking, but... I'm looking forward to the return of Corey Wong. He's been cranking out a ton of good music over the last couple years. He was on this podcast, so go back and check that one out. Uh, Andy Frasco is coming back. I've been getting to know his music a lot more over the last year. So I know I glossed over all the electronic music and my apologies, but I'm reporting what I know. You all know the list anyway. I'm uh, also happy to report that we have the Bluegrass Contingent and uh, we're bringing infamous string dusters in, and uh, of course, Camp Veterans Yonder Mountain String Band. Yonder Mountain String Band, you say? Well, it just so happens that my guest today is Miss Allie Crawl. But you already know that because you read the title of the podcast. Anyway, I bumped into Allie backstage at camp in 2021 and shamelessly pleaded to have her on the show. Uh, But the conditions were damn hot out there, and with all the COVID protocols, it wasn't ideal interviewing people with masks on from six feet away in an outdoor space, usually behind a stage with loud music. So I said, let's do it when we can sit down in the comfort of our homes and have a nice conversation. Now, Allie has been to almost every camp and played full-time in three different bands during the last 20 years. Not to mention, she's a fan and artist favorite for a sit-in. And to top it all off, she's just a damn lovely person. So we'll get to that interview in just a minute. Now, I don't have a lot of news for y'all. As always, you can volunteer for camp and earn your way in. Sign up for that is on the website. As I said before, Tier 1 ticket prices expired last week. So if you're going to get them, act now for Tier 2 pricing because they ain't going to get any cheaper. You know, I say that every year, and obviously the festival wants to sell as many advanced tickets as possible. But if you do end up with no plans over Memorial Day, you can always just buy tickets the day of. It's never sold out in my experience. 
And uh, this year, perhaps we will get some of those pandemic restrictions loosened up a little bit, which will wreak less havoc on the schedule. Uh, fingers crossed for that. And if you haven't checked out the Campfire series on YouTube or Facebook, you should. Camp Counselor Kevin spent most of the fest at the campfire stage last year with his video crew and really captured some magic over there. Side note, if you need a video production team to stream your band, you should check out his business, Instrumental Motion. And really, a bunch of the counselors have been cranking out content, so make sure you guys like all that stuff on the socials and uh, work that algorithm in their favor. Okay, enough of that. On to my guest. You may remember her from the old cornmeal days, or you may know her as the rockingest fiddle player on this side of Yonner Mountain. And even if you're not a fan of the picking and a grinning music, if you haven't seen Allie on stage at camp sitting in with some band, you're just not doing it right. Stick around for the jam of the week featuring the most recent lineup of Yonder, and here's Allie. Summer campers, I am here with the infamous Allie Crawl. <laughs> How are you, Allie? I'm great. How are you? Happy to be here. I'm doing very well. Uh, this has been a long time coming having you on the podcast because, uh, especially in the early days of the podcast, you got a lot of you got a lot of mentions. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. Um, oh. the, the The first thing that I ask every guest on my show. Um, and particularly interested to know with you because I know we had a similar, uh, at least time frame growing up in the same area. Um, I think we're the same age. So, um, yeah. what was your first concert that you went to? And and I know I know you grew up playing, so that's a little complicated for for people who played from such a young age. But like I'm talking first concert that had an impact, first big show. Okay. Um... First concert that wasn't classical music sure. was Fish at Tinley Park. Um, my dad took me and two other girlfriends of mine because we were way too young to go by ourselves. And I just, I found out that he doesn't dance at music venues. And he was just standing there with his arms crossed. And I was like, are you having a good time? He's like, I actually love it. He loved it. <laughs> probably actually find that show I try to cut in a little clip of, of people's first show is there is there something in that show that stuck out to you um gosh I 
<laughs> can I talk about smoking pot okay. on the podcast? I mean, it's legal. <laughs> well, it's legal where I am. Is it legal where you are? Uh, not quite. Medicinally, it is, I think. I'm so close to Illinois, though, and I travel for a living, so it's usually legal wherever I am. Um, at the time, it was not legal. <laughs> and I just remember somebody passing us a really big joint, and we were us girls were so young we had to have been 15 or 16 and i just remember being like oh, can we and my dad went, mm -mm. <laughs> and then later to find out that he probably would have been cool with it if we were just a few years older <laughs> yeah i uh my first experience with that was actually at horde fest um where the allman brothers were playing and mm -hmm. i remember somebody handing me a joint and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, what do you do with this? <laughs> this <little thing. laughs> yeah, I remember the experiences at the shows when I was that young. I, um, because I was a music lover and grew up playing music, I really had um, a lot of respect for the music. And even though the scene can be such a party atmosphere, I was still always there for the musical experience first, and then would join in on the culture of all the shows, you know, kind of in the sidelines of things. But I really loved the way um, Fish in particular uh, grew their melodies and played together. It was something that from coming from a classical mind, it stood out as being very melodic and I, I dug it, I dug it. Um, it's funny you should say, say it in that way, because I was talking to somebody about Andy Frasco the other day, and he, I mean, the, the jam band scene has a little bit of everything, you know, I mean, I, it, I, ideally, especially a, a festival like summer camp. And I was saying what's, what's refreshing about uh, Andy Frasco's music is that I think the jam scene um lacks melody sometimes um and that's something that fish has always done very well and and yep. like there's nothing wrong with having a catchy hook in a song and yeah. then jamming for 15 minutes in between and then bringing it back to that it's all the more satisfying if you have a catchy melody and i i think that's what can be missing sometimes in the jam scene now is is that that catchy tune at its heart yeah i could see that I've really gotten off on playing lately where I'm improving a melody right on the spot. And I'm so ADHD that I'll forget my own name five minutes later. You know, I just don't have that kind of memory. So I'm really trying to work really hard to remember that small little lick or melody so that I can branch off of it, but also come back to the simplicity like simplicity of the original, you know, idea. And there's so much you can do with that. And the guys I play with in Yonder just totally geek out on that too, because they're like, oh, she's onto something. She's doing something. What's she doing? What's she doing? Oh, cool, cool. You know, like we totally play off of one another. And that's a fun thing to do, to really kind of, to, to do it on the spot reaps so many like rewarding, <laughs> scepters in my brain I'm like yeah that was cool that happened in that moment you know and 
sometimes it leads to a melodic um, phrase that we end up using quite a bit, you know, and and sometimes it just is there for that one particular cool sh moment in that cool show. But I'm all about the melody. I play the violin. <laughs> um, all right. Well, so you, you grew up in St. Charles. Yeah. And it was fun to read your your bio on the, on the web because let's see we have we have the Elgin Youth Symphony the DuPage Youth Symphony the uh, the the Geneva Illinois Swedish Days competition oh yeah took first place baby like <laughs> that's more like my resume than like a bio <laughs> that's so embarrassing I was gonna I was gonna ask you who who wrote this. It sounds like my mom did. <laughs> I think some of this stuff is so like nobody would ever know about it. So I was like, I wonder who like Allie almost had to have written this herself or or somebody very close to her. Or I gave it might have been my girl Holly who was working for me for a bit and I like just gave her pinpoints, you know, I don't know. I certainly um, would not write about the Swedish Days competition. <laughs> It's, I, I, I found it very exciting, but that's because all of that stuff is, is you know, I, I grew up in Algonquin, so I was not far from you. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I lived, and, and actually um, kind of moving on in, in your life, then you went to school at, um, at Urbana-Champaign, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, which is actually where my wife went, so you guys were probably there at the same time. Cool. Um, and then, what do you remember what year you I, I assume you moved into Chicago into the city I did let's see I went to Champaign for two years and spent way too much time at the canopy club and not enough time uh in class <laughs> and started touring with a band there and fell in love with bluegrass and playing in a band and then joined cornmeal and moved i was living at my parents house in st charles illinois for a couple of years when i was still in cornmeal and i was making the hour drive from st charles to chicago to play a gig and then come back by i don't know three o'clock in the morning and then i had a 4 a.m job at jewel bakery like Icing the donuts and baking the coffee cakes and the bagels <laughs> in St. Charles. Uh -huh. Big shot, baby. <laughs> and so I go like I'd have. I mean, I was twenty. I had you know thirty minutes of sleep, and then I'd roll out and I'd go and time to make the donuts. <laughs> <laughs> to, to literally make the donuts. That's great. Yep. Um, so I'm guessing, so I moved into Chicago in 99. I lived in Rogers Park and I feel like I probably saw cornmeal at maybe like the Red Line Tap. Does that sound? Yeah, that was before me. I, when I first joined cornmeal, they were doing a Wednesday residency at the Boulevard Cafe in Logan Square. Okay. And then- um, Yeah, def definitely. I would have said probably where I, I went there all the time. Yeah. Reed yeah. Hake used to be there all the time. Mm -hmm. That was a great, great little yeah. venue. It Pretty was cool. Strange little venue. <laughs> <laughs> all, all 
the places we played at were strange in a really amazing, beautiful way. Um, we, let's see, we moved to Griffin's on Halstead after that. I forget what neighborhood that is. Like, oh, gosh. Um, I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about because then I frequented there. I started dating a girl who uh, was a regular there and I realized, oh, this is the hippie bar. Oh, really? and, and there was that one and then a live one, which is a couple yeah. blocks down. Uh, yeah. I think a live one's still there. And, and now it's kind of uh, just shifted downward a little, a little farther south to Tonic Room. So Tonic Room seems to be the new. Tonic Room was always a part of it too, yeah. I think I joined Cormiel in 20, 2002 and uh, gosh, spent way too much time between, you know, a live one and Tonic Room and, you know. <laughs> All, all those all those bars were so much fun and the 4 a.m like music bars as well the blues clubs and and jazz clubs those were that was a fun fun time to be in Chicago for sure I distinctly remember meeting um, Adam and Janice from family groove company at Griffin yeah <laughs> and they were there handing out CDs yeah I have a stack of old family groove company CDs somewhere That's awesome. shows. I have a funny story about Janice. I um I love her. She's like a sister to me. I um who doesn't love Janice? I know and, it. And Bootsy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I asked her to be a part of a band. I had a slot at summer camp. It was a late night slot, and it was like I think Ian booked it as Alley Crawl and Friends. And so the pressure was on, and I was so nervous. I'm not um typically comfy in that kind of you know spot and I I asked her to be my bassist and she's like 151 all day girl I can do that <laughs> and I just remember paying my players and I had you know cash ready for them instead of writing a check you know and and I had it in an envelope with like a thank you note. And she was like, you are so dang cute. Who writes a thank you note for playing a, a show? You know, I'm like, oh. I just, it meant everything to have players with me that were so, um, just so, so sweet and uplifting, you know, and I felt comfy with her. And then later on, we would play gigs with like Joe Marsnick and, Anytime I would play with her, she knew that I loved Rice Krispie treats. And so she would she would make Rice Krispie treats for me every single time. And she'd put them in a Ziploc baggie and say like, Allie's Crack Squares. <laughs> I love her. Oh, Janice is the best. Yeah. <laughs> 
times cornmeal you played with cornmeal on at, at camp um let's see okay the first year i ever played at summer camp was the second year it was ever there and i played two years with green mountain grass and then after that every other year after that i was with cornmeal up until 2012 maybe 2013 I could be totally wrong. I think 2013 is what I read. Cool. In terms of when you started with Yonder. I think I started with Yonder 2014, but I don't think I played there with, I, I don't think I played summer camp with them that year. I think I was just like artist at large and just doing, doing my usual sit-in thing. Um, so yeah, 2013 makes sense for, for Cornmeal. So what is that? Uh, well, the first year was 2001. So Okay. So yeah, I think I was in court for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Um, so you've been to almost every summer camp then? Everyone except for the very first. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got one on you then. Do you? <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I didn't go to summer sessions, which was the precursor to summer camp, which I think was okay. 99. And then there was a year off and then 2001. Okay. Um, and it's not something I aspired to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, it's not like after the first year, I was like, I'm, I'm always going back to this festival for the rest of my life. It just happens every year. Yeah, I mean, it just, it was something I, I really enjoyed and and then it started to change and get bigger. And then there was one year where I, I bought tickets to Hookahville and mm -hmm. I had just broken up with a girlfriend or something. And I, I got in my car and I ended up driving to summer camp anyway. And I <laughs> blew off my tickets to Hookahville. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so, but uh, you, you mentioned sit-ins, which is something I wanted to to, to bring up with you because um, <clears throat> I mean a highlight for me, and and I can honestly say uh, I think it was Al that mentioned it. Um, definitely comes to mind when you ask the guys from Mo, and and I remember it very vividly. Is your sit-in for plane crash? I mean that was that uh, was that your first time on the on the big stage there? <laughs> no, that wasn't my first time um, with Mo, but it, it was um, the first time and only time I've played Plane Crash with them. We got to do. You, you guys should definitely do it again. 
because I know, I mean, like I said, they've brought it up to me because I always ask people about like, oh, who's your favorite person to sit in or whatever. And everybody mentions you. I pay them a lot of money to say that. <laughs> something infectious about your playing that that sticks with people so awesome well thanks yeah i think in general there's you know there's not very many violins in the typical jam band scene when you get into bluegrass yeah of course you know but um rocking out and playing like rock and roll and and that kind of style and improving and yeah, the jam band world, there there aren't very many. There's plenty of violinists who can do it, <laughs> but, but not many on the scene. And um, it Mo's always been really eclectic, you know, with their instrumentation and and who they have with them. And they're into, you know, new they're into new things. Does that, you know, make oh, any for sense? Sure. They're very open to yeah. Different people. I mean, they they had my uh, a friend of mine is the organist for the Atlanta Braves, and they had him sit in when they went to Atlanta. <laughs> That's awesome. And I mean, he's you know he's a jazz guy. Like yeah. Um, I mean, not that jam music isn't jazz at heart, but uh, yeah. 
cer yeah. certainly like you know he didn't know much about them <laughs> sure sure yeah the first time i played with mo i was i was traveling around with cornmeal in this beat up old winnebago super chief rv and i was in the back doing my makeup and i hear the guy say uh ally you want to sit in with mo and the idea was so far-fetched to me that I was just like, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> they were like silent. They're like, uh, should be right out. I'm like, oh, shit. They were <laughs> Mo's manager, Topper, was knocking on the door asking if I wanted to sit in. And it was one of those moments where the guys kind of didn't let me say no. I if my nerves were calling the shots, I absolutely would have been like, no way, I'm not doing that. But the guys in Cornmill were super supportive and they're like, you kind of have to, sorry, you know? <laughs> and so I met, I met Al and he told me that I was gonna be playing in a song. He told me it was in a specific key and I later went up on stage and learned that it was a totally different key, but that's fine. I play by ear anyways. like doesn't make a, a difference to me. Um, but he was like, yeah, this song is really gnarly in the beginning. We would never have somebody play the beginning with us. You know, it's just, there's too many notes in weird places. It's just, it's, it's, it's not nice. And he was like, so there's going to be a xylophone solo and we're a jam band. You can come on out after the xylophone solo and play as long as you want. You can play three minutes, you can play 12. I'm like, okay, cool, I got that. Like, I know how to do that. <laughs> but I thought joking one about the xylophone solo. And I um, went out and did my thing and it was McBain. And um, it, it was the first time I had played on that stage or if I'm, if I'm lying about that, it was definitely the first time I had played for that many people. Like I think at the time there were, you know, 10 or 15,000 people mm -hmm. come into summer camp and they were all there in the bowl at the moonshine stage. And I heard them say like, Ellie crawl everybody. And I, and then I noticed for the first time the audience and how many people were out there and I heard them and I actually like took a step back because I could feel them cheering and I forgot everything that I know and to be real in life and didn't realize that that was also my cue to leave the stage and Rob is kind of looking at me with a side eye like <laughs> <laughs> what you doing there you know? like, and nobody was like hey <laughs> and they start going into the ending which is the same as the beginning which is just there's no improving over that and there's I just had to not play but I was too nervous to not play it was it was a weird thing in my career now I would just be like cool I'm gonna step out we're all good you guys got this go cool. <laughs> can, can you do a bow drop yes yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And then I look at the set list and it was McBain into this song, into this song, into this song. Back <laughs> into I'm not kidding you. I stayed up there for 45 minutes and <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. And I got off stage and I'm like, <laughs> and my band was laughing at me. They're like, what did you 
what is wrong with you? I'm like, I, I don't know. And it was a few months later, they called me to see if I would do a recording with them on their Sticks and Stones album. And I'm like, do they not remember that I don't leave? <laughs> that kind of became like the joke with me. They're like, yeah, invite her up, but she might not ever leave. <laughs> never made that mistake twice. <laughs> there's, that, there's that famous uh, Homer Simpson meme now where he's backing into the shrubs. Like th that's, that's what she should have done. <laughs> Just slowly backed. Slowly backed in. <laughs> past the vibraphone, past Jim. <laughs> <laughs> a cane I was, like, girl, I was thinking that showtime at the apollo the sandman comes out with a cane and just drags you off we needed a cane That's <laughs> yeah yeah um all right well we've covered a bunch of summer camp stuff and i know i've already gone over the time <laughs> i told you um but i do uh, i do want to just quickly talk about Yonder. Um, you guys have a new album coming out. Uh, get yourself outside. Is that right? Outside. Yep, that's right. We just got our vinyl in. Finally. Oh, nice. We were waiting to release so that we could have that. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped because it looks like we'll be able to uh, go ahead and start styling. <laughs> so get that music out there. Well, I'll ask you this. One of my questions about the the new mm -hmm. album is who's or, or or even the last couple albums, who's doing the heavy lifting on the songwriting now? Oh God, not me. <laughs> um, I'd say much. I mean, Dave writes literally every single day, and so he is always a a main con contributor with with songwriting. And Ben and Adam have always been heavy lifters. So the three of them have always been writers. Um, and now we've got Nick Piccinini in the band and he came in hot with like a ton of tunes that he's like, hey, I'm ready to go. Let <laughs> Listen to this one. How do you like it? Listen to this one. How do you like it? And Ben and Adam and Dave kind of helped him with some lyrics and you know, morphing the tunes into sounding more like yonder tunes. And um, Ben was geeking out about it because he's like, man, I feel like some of these tunes are really reminiscent of old Jeff tunes. And like, like in, in a really, really cool way, like this is, this is neat. This is really neat. And uh, sure enough, all those tunes are, are just, they're, they're hits. They're great. They're, they're great tunes. They're definitely yonder tunes, you know? Um, so all the guys, not me. <laughs> um, the two songs that are, that are up right now from the album are If Only and Into the Fire. Into the Fire, when I was listening to it, um, uh, since I was listening to it last night while I was painting and I, I couldn't change it and it just kept, it kept on repeat. I, the more I listened to it, the more I thought, is this a, is this about, is this a political song about last year <laughs> into the yeah, fire? Definitely when he, we were writing it, it was, you know, January, February, when we first started discussing doing this album and, and I don't, I'd have to ask, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. He doesn't typically go very political because he likes to be very inclusive of 
of everyone and everyone's feelings and beliefs. And so I, I would, I don't know. two songs that are up are great i'm, I'm looking forward okay. to the rest of the album when's the rest of the album come out i'm the worst <laughs> soon. very soon <laughs> might be today might be tomorrow <laughs> oh, Adam, i got it i got it so with me for not knowing it is i i, I have the the internet helping me here february 25th so another month boom February 25th. So and this will <laughs> probably be out before then. So look for Yonder's new album on the 25th. Yeah. I think there's other um, singles that'll come out before that as well. Cool. There'll be, there'll be more snippets of the album. Awesome. Uh, you know, I appreciate you taking the time. I mean, I, your tour is pretty, pretty relentless, especially considering everything that's going on right now and things getting canceled and, and how hard it is. I, I mean, I can't imagine trying to book stuff right now. I, 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 the other day I bought a ticket for Oliver Wood because he was online saying, oh, it's almost sold out. And it was six days before the show. And then five days ago, I bought a ticket, got canceled the next day. That's such a bummer. It, it's heartbreaking, the ups and downs that, you know, the music business is, is suffering right now. But we need to make sure that everybody's safe, you know, fans, everybody. Um, we have had a really strict protocol for staying safe through the pandemic. And knock on wood, we have not gotten COVID while being on the road yet. And we've gone as far as like wearing masks 24 seven, like even in our bus, like, and I hope we don't have to do that again. But it was kind of when we were like, oh, I don't know, what do we do? Like, how do we do this? It was like one of the first tours. Now we just kind of quarantine before the tours. And then when we get onto tour, we're, we're not eating out at restaurants, we're staying on our bus and we're really trying to be safe. Um, it's been working, we'll see. I'm, I don't have high hopes about this new variant, but I have a lot of um, uh, admiration for how Yonder's been doing it so far. And I think if it's gonna work for any band, it's gonna be how, how we have been doing things. So we'll just hope. <laughs> well, good luck. Like I said, I know that it's gotta be a terrible thing to try to navigate. And, um... It is, and you know, you have you have your little one. I have my little one. When we can't play music, it's 
at least I get, you know, there's a silver lining. I get to spend some time with him and my family and just practice. And, you know, I can still play music at home. I guess. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> so I know I've, uh, we're way past the time and um, I think we, I think we covered everything we got in our, our summer camp sit-ins talk and uh, we're looking forward to yonder at summer camp again the lineup's out um it'll be great uh any, any will we hear songs from the new album i assume this year oh yeah yeah most definitely we'll we'll play uh our we'll play the new stuff but we'll also we're we're bringing in a lot more of the old uh jeff tunes because nick has a voice that um can do it justice and so we we've been incorporating a lot of old in with the new. It's been fun. Oh, that's exciting to hear. Uh, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm a big fan of all those Jeff tunes. So um, he was on the podcast, probably one of the best guests I ever had. He's so, <laughs> I mean, he, uh, we, we got off on talking of uh, on tangents, talking about uh, Buddy Guy and um, that's coming up next week. Buddy Guy's residency at, at Buddy Guy's. That's uh, awesome. Oh, I love it. I, I, I mean, talk about he's what 84, 85 or something, and and uh, they're still doing their shows. So, yep, yep. Fingers yep. crossed. Used to go there. <laughs> I love it. Oh, and uh, Tedeschi Trucks Band residency is the next couple weekends too. So, uh, musically, this is my favorite time of year in in the city. Very cool. Um, but very. Cool. Wait, they have a residency in Chicago. Uh, Tedeschi Trucks does two weekends in Chicago every January. Very so cool. they do four shows, um, two weekends back to back. I usually try to hit one of each weekend. Yeah, I started teaching right when the pandemic hit because I was like, you know, mama still needs to make money. And what am I going to do with my time? I'm bored. <laughs> and uh, I met so many cool uh, students who wanted to learn how to jam because I put it out on my social media. So everybody who wanted a lesson was somebody who knew my particular style of playing. And I probably told every single student to go read Derek Trucks's 10 Commandments for Jam. Um, I just think he, he's, it's just so eloquently written and really says a lot about his playing and, and, uh, just how he pays attention to everything that's happening up there you know he it, it shows in his in his playing it's magical stuff and i i geek out over like guitar licks by Derek trucks or warren haynes or or trey or jerry or i mean i'll be honest my biggest influence is david gilmore all i want to do is play david gilmore licks on my fiddle and uh that's I really interesting do, do you slip, do you slip in David Gilmore licks all the time and, and nobody probably knows the difference? Well, the band knows if I'm like actually doing a, a Gilmore solo, if I'm like starting to like, like, oh, cool. This dog solo fits right here, even though we're playing this Talking Heads cover. And they're like, ah, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm in my happy place. I just, I learned a lot of how he, he'll slide into a note but he'll also like just barely back out of it and huh. I learned to kind of 
do something with my left hand to mimic that. And it completely changed like my playing because now you can round out a note in a way where it kind of sounds like it's wailing. And with the bow and the sustain of the violin, it just, it's, it's straight up the sexiest thing on the planet. I love David Gilmore. <laughs> I am absolutely gonna be listening for that now. <laughs> Anytime I can, I will. Did, have, have you seen Floyd at all? Never. Never? Never. Would die. Would absolutely die. I saw him in 95 at Soldier Field. That was a pretty, pretty crazy show. It was the Division Bell Tour. Ah, that's awesome. But, that's awesome. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I should let you go. You've got things to do. I do. I do. <laughs> thank, you for, <laughs> thank you for taking the time. Uh, it means a lot to me. I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. You're a joy. And I, yeah, I appreciate you thinking of me. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, well, it worked out well. I was interviewing, uh, I don't know if you remember at, at camp last year, I was interviewing the Wood Brothers and totally. we were testing the microphone. And I said, what I really like to have is Allie Crawl on the podcast. And you were so nice. You walked by and you're like, yeah, I'll do the podcast. You want to do it now? Let's do it now. And I was like, it's too hot out here. Let's not do that to either of us. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So this was, this was a much more comfortable conversation. <laughs> yeah, we're not burning in the sun, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, well, good luck on your extensive tour coming up. You'll be in Montana, Colorado, uh, mm -hmm. all over the place, California. Mm -hmm. Here's hoping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that everything goes well, you know? Everybody in the, in the venues are staying safe and yeah. All right, well, uh, good to see you, and uh, well, see you at summer camp. Sounds great. We'll see you then. Thanks. Much love to you. And to you. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Allie Crawl. 
She is such a joy to watch and hear, and as it turns out, to talk to as well. I was really into the fact that she likes to sneak Floyd licks into non-Floyd songs. It sent me down a YouTube rabbit hole of Yonder Mountain actually covering Pink Floyd, some of which I had seen and some of which I hadn't. Yonder kind of falls in that realm of bands for me that I can't even tell you how many times I've seen them over the last 20 years. Anyway, I wanted to pick a jam of the week that would include the most recent lineup, including Nick Piccinini. Uh, however, I didn't find any decent recordings from last year, but I did find this Floyd classic as covered by Yonder. Now, the jam of the week is supposed to be a live selection from a previous camp, but I will contend that this counts as I believe it first aired on the Summer Camp 2020 Virtual Live Festival. So here's Yonder Mountain String Band doing Pink Floyd's Goodbye Blue Sky from the Scamp Virtual Festival. I'll be back in a couple weeks, or more, who knows. Stay tuned, tell a friend, spread the love. Look, Mama, there's an apple up in the sky.